Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Pilot Network Podcast. Today joining me again is Tate Durier. You may know him from the Passive Income Pilot Podcast or TPNX or just a good friend of TPN in general. He is all things real estate, financial guru, airline pilot extraordinaire, and is going to give us some tips and insights on what the market's doing. In fact, so much so we think we're going to make this a quarterly event where we're going to have him on and we're going to talk about stuff that he is doing with his company, Turbine Capital, and what's going on out in the world of real estate and how we can get involved. Now, neither of us are uh, fiduciaries or professional financial consultants or personal financial consultants, so you can take what we say with a grain of salt or you can listen closely. It's up to you. Your finances are your decisions. If you do have questions, you can get a hold of Tate uh, via Turban Cap. He'll let you know how to do that. Or on his socials, he'll let you know how to do that as well. Or go out and seek somebody out on your own. But this is a great place to start, and I hope you go forth and listen to more of the Passive Income Pilot podcast with Tate and his co-host Ryan. Well, enough of my little intro. Let's get to the good stuff. Tate, dude, it is so good to see you again. It's been far too long. Far too long. It has been. It has been. How are you, Adam? I'm great. What was it maybe? I know we've texted or something, but I'm thinking, well, TPNX was definitely the last time we saw each other face-to-face. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, about six, four, six months ago, something like that. Oh, my gosh. April? Holy cow. It's four months months ago. Yeah, like almost to the day when we we all went our separate ways. Um, And you guys, I mean, you have been personally – very busy with not only you know, flying the line and all that stuff, but all the stuff you're doing with passive income pile, all the stuff you're doing with Turbine Capital. I mean, there's yep. been a lot of tragedy going on in Hawaii. We, we all know that. I mean, that, that kind of time stamps this, but that's okay. Yep. Um, uh, how are you guys doing personally with everything that's been going on over there? We're, we're fine. Uh, very fortunate to be you know, uh, sort of insulated from what's happened over on Maui. Uh, I, I'm on Oahu, and and uh, this island has been fairly unaffected. Uh, absolutely tragic, though, what's happened in Maui. And, uh, you know, Hawaiian Airlines has been incredible with what they've done. Um, I mean, they we gave away 30 million air miles to, to move Red Cross people around. Wow. They added extra sections. Um, yeah, they've, they've been uh, pretty great. And the employee outreach has been incredible, the, uh, the amount of donations. So... Hopefully Maui's on the, you know, the path to recovery, but, um, in any case, yeah, things are good otherwise. Yeah. You know, having been there before and, and having my honeymoon on Maui with my, my, my wife, Shannon, who, you know, uh, it, it is, it, it, it kind of touched our hearts a lot to see all the, the devastation, destruction as, as most people. And, you know, anybody who lives in a state where you have tragedy like that, you're, you know, you think about them because they're, it's in the back of their mind, no matter what's kind of going on in the day to day. Um, so we, we just wanted to, I think the whole network is behind everybody out there in Hawaii, uh, going through the tragedy that that's unfolded and, and, you know, brighter days are definitely ahead. Uh, with, with that being said, let's, let's talk about some of the bright days that have been going on, uh, for you in Turbine Capital. You guys have been crushing it. I mean, busy, busy, busy. I get emails all the time and I'm sitting here saying, man, I just, I wish I had more money lying around to start to get involved. 
So just let's go through a little brief history of the over the last couple of months or, or, or wherever you want to start leading up till now. Yeah, I mean, 2023 has just been a year of explosive growth for us. I, I, it's been uh, crazy because it sort of hit this critical mass where, where we're getting a lot of word of, word of mouth referrals. Um, you know, people are flying with, um, you know, NFO or a captain that tells them about the podcast and it, it really is snowballing. And so it's, it's, it's an exciting time for us. Uh, you know, our investments are performing extraordinarily well. Um, and we're helping a lot of people diversify out of the public market. So it's very, very exciting. We've got uh, three projects that we just stood up in the last three, four weeks. Uh, so it's been incredibly busy in the last month. But uh, all three of those are are now launched, and uh, well, I think by the time this airs, one of them will be closed out. But um, yeah, we we are sort of a deal finding machine and and a deal vetting machine. And as we get larger and larger, we're able to hire better and better uh, uh, board of advisors, and and uh, you know get a better network. And so it's it's very exciting. Yeah, that th so it's funny. I was having this conversation with. Uh, uh, one of the guys I flew with the other day and I brought up, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause you talk about pilot networking and they're like, Oh, what is that? Is it a way to get jobs? I'm like, well, no, not, not entirely a way to get jobs. It's a, there's more to it than that. And he's like, okay, well, you know, what is, what is that? And I always bring you up as an example, uh, turban specifically, and then your, your name as well. And he said, well, what, you know, what is that? And I'm like, well, do you know what a real estate syndicate is? And I go, he goes, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. I go, well, that, it's not exactly, like that, but it's similar to a real estate syndicate. And then I tried to explain it. I said, you know, I've had this discussion with Tate numerous times, but I figured we should do it again, refresh everybody, some new listeners. Whenever you put money somewhere in a podcast title, they flock. So people love to listen to the money <laughs> talk, right? So let's uh, let's kind of lay out that that definition. Um, so one, I stopped butchering it every time I talk to somebody, and and two, so uh, the hundreds of millions of people listen to the pilot network podcast know uh what exactly th that turban capital is doing not a real estate syndicate necessarily well uh yes and no so thanks adam uh let me let me sort of start from the beginning here and i'll i'll lay out the groundwork for for everyone so let me start with what real estate syndication is because it's a funny word that um you know some people have i, I think many people have had great experiences in it and some people have had maybe not so great experiences in it, but let's let's sort of lay out what it is. So, you know, if you want to go out and buy your own rental properties and manage them yourselves, whether they be, you know, houses, self-storage properties, uh, you know, any sort of commercial real estate, uh, multifamily, whatever that may be, you're responsible for going out and finding that deal and putting the money together and, and managing it, even if you have a property manager uh, you're going to be dealing with the lenders and tenants and uh, insurance companies and all that sort of stuff, contractors. A real estate syndication is essentially, instead of going out and flying that bonanza on the weekend, like that doctor, right? You're buying a ticket on a professionally flown aircraft. So you are in the hands of a professional operator. And that professional operator is essentially the, they're the airline pilots of the of the real estate world, right? So if a, an operator or a sponsor, these are these you know, groups that may have over a hundred employees. They've got vertically integrated property management companies, vertically integrated construction management companies, and they might specialize in, let's say, self-storage. And they only do self-storage. So they've got all the relationships uh, in terms of brokers, lenders, 
they really, really know what they're doing inside and out inside of self-storage. So if you want to invest in self-storage, it's like, okay, well, you could go do it yourself or you just be an equity partner with this storage operator. And you as an investor will keep anywhere from about 70 to 80% of, of all the profits that are generated from a deal for being quote unquote, the money behind it. And you're completely passive. So that's what a real estate syndication is. And there are syndicators or operators, sponsors, whatever you want to call them across all different commercial real estate asset classes. So multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, industrial, uh, senior living, you name it. Um, and these, these operators are very sophisticated and there are some good ones and there are some not so good ones. And part of what we do is we find the good ones. So Turbine Capital is, Turbine Capital is not a, an operator in itself. So we are not, you know, specialized in some asset class. We don't have a massive team that goes out and finds and buys and manages, you know, big real estate deals. We partner with operators that do that. So we are a private equity firm. We find and vet these operators. We sort of start with a macroeconomic approach. We sort of look top down, okay, where are the tailwinds? Where do we want to position ourselves within the real estate market? And then from there, we go out and we find the absolute best operators out there. And we'll spend upwards of about nine months in due diligence with an operator uh, before we'll jump into a deal with them. So you know, we're able to conduct due diligence as a fund, uh, as a company in much more depth than an individual would be able to because of, well, one, because of the economics behind it. You know, when we're writing multiple million dollar checks for a deal, well, we can afford to spend uh, the money on background checks and, you know, our team can run through their entire track record and look at their past performance versus their, their projections. And, you know, a lot of times we'll fly out, we'll meet their whole team, do, do site visits. Not only is that not feasible for, for an individual investor to go and do, but it's also not going to be accommodated by the sponsor. If you're just investing, if Adam, if you said, hey, <clears throat> I want to invest 50 or $100,000 with you guys, but I want to fly out and meet the team and I want to visit a couple of your properties and I want to see all the source documents from this feasibility study that you did on this previous deal last year and I want to see all the records, they'd, be, they'd say, sorry, dude, I, no. But we, it's <laughs> yeah. a much different conversation when we ask for those things because we're saying, hey, we want to we create a relationship with you. We think you're the best in class and we're going to be bringing multiple millions of dollars to you uh, for this opportunity yeah, sure. if we decide to green light it or, uh, and, and many more in the future. So that's sort of how we play in the space. And then, of course, we get better economics by bringing large check sizes and we're able to leverage that. Uh, in order to give our investors the same economics that they would going directly to that sponsor. Um, and we're able to leverage a little bit of that upside in order to run as a company. Well, that is uh, a very in-depth description of what I can't do when someone I'm telling somebody about <laughs> turban. And I think you lay it out and uh, it's, it's the, every time that I've talked to you about it or every time I've heard you, you give the, kind of the boilerplate as it were, I find it fascinating because to me, it seems like when you can pool and build that kind of equity in a group of people, specifically a group of people who are, who've been um, underrepresented as a total um, uh, market share of pilots who couldn't 
essentially find money because they they don't really necessarily meet the high they, they're high income earners but they're not you know that the they don't sit on a board or they don't have that title of ceo or whatever of you know a small company and they don't necessarily have the networking in the past we didn't have the networking capability of like a, a group of doctors or lawyers and now we have we have that capability and we have the uh, the drive of some individuals like yourself to be able to put pool our money together and start to play with the big boys, which gives us, like you said, better economics and better return than we could ever get on our, our own. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny you say that because anytime someone says, oh, what, what, you know, what does your company do? It's actually very difficult to explain simply, but I think the best, best way that you could describe it is we, you know, we help pilots diversify outside of the public markets, outside of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, into cash flowing real estate and into main street essentially you yeah know, more more and more people are discovering this more money is kind of sort of coming out of wall street into main street because it's much easier to project returns you know you're not beholden to to the stock market roller coaster well it, i think one of the things that you're you're nailing you, the, so when you when you talk about main street versus wall street i mean okay you're talking to a guy who's not a novice investor i'm not advanced you know i've i've lost plenty of money in screwing around with individual stocks or uh trying my hand on the crypto wheel of fortune um you know but but the reality is is like okay i have i've gotten lucky but i'll I'll give you a perfect example so i uh when i transferred from the reserves to the or when i went from active duty to the reserves um my tsp militarily came with me okay and then when i went from the reserves to being a air reserve technician. So hired as a civilian in the reserves, there was like another thing that I had to do to start putting my money in the TSP and switch the fund from whatever it goes in G or F fund or whatever it is that it goes automatically into. Well, I didn't do that because I was a lazy moron. So I thought, and I got lucky because the year that that happened was in 2007 to 2009. So okay. while everybody else lost 50%, I made about a hundred bucks on a $15,000, you know, whatever money that went into that, that fund. And then I swapped it all into, I figured it out when the market was at its, you know, like bottom 30 day. Now it's only 15 grand, right? But that's 15 grand that got, I, I don't know what the compounding interest was from that one event, but it was quite a bit. However, that was dumb luck there was absolutely no skill involved whatsoever i mean this is essentially like going to a casino and and i pulled the one i pulled the first slot machine i walked in and it paid out a jackpot and i put in a buck like that's all it was there was no skill there was no due diligence i didn't know anything and i would say good adam right oh yeah that's what i say in my golf game and when i fly an airplane (laughs) but like the reality is is like i think most of us would like to think that we have the capability because we are, we're, we're all kind of, we're all experts at our job. Mo- more than most people are experts at some of their jobs. They have to, like they advance along. When we get to our level, we're pretty much the experts. Or we are the experts. And it's very challenging for us to go back and say, well, we're not that good at certain things. And I will say for like, I've seen plenty of guys, oh yeah, I can invest this, that. And I'm like, well, show me. And, Everybody made money over the last, you know, from basically 2009 until 2020, January 1st, 2020, everybody made a lot of money. 
you didn't have to do anything. It was pretty easy. But the last three years have opened up. There's, there is a lot of fault out there in the system. And when you say Main Street versus Wall Street, Wall Street is a giant slot machine. And the only way to play it is to be diversified into all of it if you're going to do it. And that's a good way to have some of your money put away, in my opinion. Absolutely. But I, I want to get out there and see. I want to get out there and make money doing other things. Besides, it interests me. Real estate interests me. I'm not, I know that's not for everybody. It interests me. Well, you know, if you look at, you know, what the wealthiest people in the world are doing, you know, stocks are certainly a portion of their portfolio, but it's not the whole thing. And I think that you oh, know, pilots, that because we have these so super, super generous 401ks, we end up being extremely stock market heavy. So unless you are going out there and you have a real drive to figure out how to go invest in real estate and, and go out and buy rental properties and manage the whole thing, we have tons of investors who, you know, have four rental properties and they say, mm -hmm. listen, I, I love my rental properties, but I don't want a fifth because I don't want to scale my headaches. So, I, you know, what, what we do and real estate syndication as a whole is not necessarily a replacement for going out there and buying your own rental real estate. Owning physical real estate is fantastic. But mm -hmm. if you're one of those people who just doesn't have the drive or the time to go and do it, and now, you know, 10 years ago, you could just throw a dart and you were going to make money on anything. Now the real estate market is, is, is much, um, much tougher with interest rates. Yep. I agree. You know, um, we can go into macroeconomic perspective and, and where, where we think we sort of are in the cycle later on. But in you know, we don't, we don't foresee a big decline uh, across the board in asset values coming down the pike at all. However, you got to be much more careful than you had to be five yeah. years ago, 10 years ago. So, you know, it, it's a great supplement if you want to scale your real estate exposure without scaling your real estate headaches. You know, it's not like a stock where you can just buy it and forget about it, right? And it's also a great way if you just don't want the headache, then you, yep. you can still sort of build out the rest of your portfolio. And, and when you, like I said, when you look at what the wealthiest people do, they invest in private placements. A lot of private placements, which are, you know, private real estate opportunities, and they own, uh, they own equity and assets. Yeah, and I and so that, I think that's I, I think that's something that more people are being exposed to or, or understand. I, obviously, very savvy real estate investors, very savvy investors, know a lot more about this. I think that this is geared towards the 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 folks who are just getting into this, who don't know a lot about this, who you know. It, I just plug money in my 401k index funds, which is great. Do it. You should, yeah, you know, absolutely. the company's going to pay you between, I think it's 13 and 16% and 17 up to 18. Maybe I, I'm not sure the exact numbers across the board. Most of these airlines, let them do it. That's fantastic. Um, you should also figure out what else to diversify for, especially for you younger folks out there who are just starting to get into this world. Um, that's, this is now a great time to figure some of that out. So speaking of um, quarterly, like looking at this, and I think we should, you know, I think this is a good idea. I think we should do this every quarter. I mean, I, let, I, I, I love chatting love with to. you. And I think this, okay, so it's done deal. This is what we're doing. Okay. Uh, every quarter we're going to start talking about this stuff. But then um, I'm going to have to ask the, uh, the hard question. Um, what's your take on where it's at? Now, so as a, as a, personal real estate investor. Yeah. I've only got a couple of rental properties and right now we're kind of on a big pause mm -hmm. because in the, in the area that we like, 
a cash flowing property is very hard to find. Number one, yep. number two, the asset classes there are all at, they're all almost at a premium price. And the thing is, is that's what the market value is. People are offering and people are accepting and I can't get into those places unless I want to basically de-liquidate myself and, and be, that's it. I I've, if I go and I want to buy a property, the same exact type of property that I bought in 2020 uh, in the summer of 2020, if I do that now, I am going to essentially I'll take all my liquid assets, dump it into this one property and that's it. And I'm done for a while until I can build that reservoir back up to go tap it again. And then unless I want to go into uh, use debt for that, which was no problem when you were able to get a 2.5 to 3% mortgage as an investor. Now, the best I can do is maybe, maybe 6.75 if I'm working around or maybe six and a half if I'm coming in. And then I now, if I'm taking debt out on top of that, there's no cash flow to be had. And I'm not a huge, I'm not necessarily a cash flow all the time guy. And for those folks who don't understand what we're talking about, I suggest go out there, do this research, bigger pockets. It's a great place to start. Yep. Uh, Tate's got stuff on passive income pilot. That'll talk a little bit about this as well. Go listen to that stuff. Um, t- pause and go do that and then come back. But the, the reality is, is I don't see where I'm going to be able to jump in without always running into this hurdle of I using debt on debt right now it just doesn't make sense unless I'm going to do uh, a burr or, or do something else. So what are you guys, what are you seeing on the, on that level? And then all the way up to where you and your partnerships and people that you're working with are investing. I'll start with interest rates. Uh, you know, uh, uh, some people don't realize that, that this was the sharpest increase in the federal funds rate in the history of the United States. So nobody saw interest rates rising this fast, not even BlackRock or Goldman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so this, was a, this was a shock to the system. And we, we actually have to give the real estate market a lot of credit. And I think the Fed for a lot of credit for hold it, sticking to their guns and saying, hey, we're, we're going to beat this inflation. And, and with uh, party scream, you know, p- politicians screaming on both sides, uh, they stuck to it. And you know, it, it actually looks like we're going to, we're going to achieve this soft landing. Um, the numbers are still just fantastic. There's some slowdown. I think we will see some, some sort of a, a mild recession, but in terms of, uh, the resilience of, of this real estate market, it's holding up, uh, you know, equities are doing fantastic in the face of it. So, uh, I think, I think overall the economy is doing great. What, what, we get asked a lot or what I get asked, you know, I'm sitting in the cockpit and, uh, you know, we're talking about finances and real estate and stuff. And people often say, well, <clears throat> I'm just, I'm waiting for the crash. And it's like, well, yeah. we've been saying yeah, newsletters yeah. for two years. If you're waiting, it ain't coming because the fundamentals today are just completely different than they were in the last recession that anybody our age remembers, which was 2008. Well, in 2008, no one had any equity in their homes. Everything was fueled by, by debt and speculation. And there was a supply glut. We built too much. This time around, there's been undersupply. We're trying to catch up from the last 10, 15 years of underdevelopment. And on top of there being a, a supply, just a pure, we're about a million housing units short in the United States right now. There's also the rate lock effect. 
So half, half of the people out there have, have mortgages under 4%, a lot of them under 3%. So, yep. right, Adam, what would make you want to sell your home right now and move? Nothing. If nothing, nothing. right? Because you, you're locked into a really great mortgage rate. And if you go rebuy, you're going to have to, to sign up for a 7%. So we have this incredibly constrained inventory uh, of existing homes because nobody wants to, to leave. That will eventually start, that logjam will eventually start to clear out as life events happen. People get married, they move, they get a new job. Like people have eventually have to sell. And so we'll see, we'll see some movement there. But it's, uh, you know, if you're waiting for rates to come back down, so is everybody else. So uh, I think if, if yeah, you got to do some math, but I think waiting to buy um, maybe another six months. But, you know, if, if you're serious about getting something uh, under contract, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit there and wait for, you know, some impending doom because I, I really don't think it's coming. I've, I've got a stat here. Uh, that while housing prices declined to uh, from 410,000, this is national average, right? 410,000 in June of 23 to 406,000 in July of 23. Don't be fooled. That's the highest July price ever and is up from 403,000 in July of 22. So we're still seeing home prices appreciating. And this is also, you have to remember that this is a function of inflation as well. So when you look at inflation adjusted numbers, when you buy a, a real asset, it is denominated in dollars, but those dollars are weaker every year. And so, so part of that price appreciation is just inflation hedging, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I, yeah. You, you, so you brought up the rate lock effect. It's funny that you, so I am rate locked not only in my house, my my primary residence, but both of my rental properties. So every time, yeah, I, and for all you out there who have a rental property, I I'm sure you've gotten the text, "Hey, this is so and so or a call. Are you interested in selling?" And I always say, "I'm absolutely interested in selling. Take the highest market value price you can think of and add thirty percent. I'll take it in cash." And then. Uh, oh, no, thanks. Because I'm like, that, yeah, because I, I go, there is no, no other reason for me to sell that property than unless I get some outlandish deal because I, I'm i essentially, it, it's it's not only free, it's free money, you know, the whole anything under 4%, free money, whatever you want to call it. But I can cash flow on that property. And I, I know, and, and for those out there who are interested in going into a, uh, getting into rental properties, if you bought now, Yes, you'll be able to cash flow at some point and all that kind of stuff. Inflation works its magic in real estate. That's the beauty part about it. Um, but it's it's really challenging right now, unless you have a unless you're unless you're very capable in finding uh, good deal financing, um, like owner financing stuff like that, and you want to go out and you want to buy a place and you want to rehab it and it's a uh, you know, it's dilapidated. Well, if that's, that's your interest. Yeah, so the, oh, the, yeah. the other point I was going to make is that, you know, in this market, you really have to be looking to drive value because yeah. you, you yeah. can't just buy anything and wait for the economic tide to lift your ship like you could have yeah. in the last 10 years. You really have to be driving value. And that's why I think, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense right now to be investing passively because it's with these teams who all they do day in, day out, they create value. You know, it's buying yeah. underperforming assets and they have the teams to go in and renovate you know, seven units a day um, in Phoenix, or or it's a storage um, project that we have open right now, where it's it's ground up development, 
um, either ground up, heavy expansion, or um, you know taking existing facilities that just opened through the lease up phase. So adding that value, adding net operating income to to drive um, to drive value creation, and and value creation is against the backdrop of any economic tide. I mean, we can create sure. value if if you have a team that knows what they're doing in the right market, and the right asset class, you, know, you can drive value in a declining market where mm -hmm. the same asset would be worth less in two to three years if you did absolutely nothing. Yet we drive value against that. Uh, in fact, that's how we project all of our projects is we assume that the market is actually going to decrease. If we were to do nothing, it's going to be worth less when we sell it. And we everything that we're projecting in terms of gains is due to the work that we're going to be doing. Okay, so we kind of talked about the individual investor, uh, you know, the the Main Street investor, if you will, buying uh, buying the rental property and fixing it up, and, and you know, boosting the neighborhood by making it a a, a a prettier place to live, whatever you want to call it, yada yada yada, yeah. all that crap. Let's talk about what you're seeing in the more large scale uh, developmental stuff that that you and the team are dealing with the turbine. Um, whether it be industrial, commercial, all that stuff. What, what, what are you guys seeing across that? Because I know that the commercial uh, boogeyman is out there and everybody's scared. Oh my goodness, uh, San Francisco's 70% you know, vacant. And yeah, that, San Francisco, that. don't invest in downtown San Francisco right now. <laughs> yeah. Unless you really know what you're doing, right? I mean, that's the key is, is you have to, you got to know. Let me uh, point people to a podcast episode that we had on Passive Income Pilots just okay. uh, last month um, with Jonathan Chang. Jonathan Chang is the head of research at Marcus and Millichap. He has about 25 analysts that work for him. Marcus Millichap is the largest commercial real estate brokerage in the United States. The guy speaks as the keynote at about 50 different real estate conferences every year. He's a juggernaut. Okay. And he came on Shit. with a 45-minute presentation with slides. So if you actually go to our YouTube channel, it's a better one to watch on YouTube. So if you want a full break breakdown on, on what's happening in the commercial real estate market, go check that out. Uh, Passive Income Pilots on YouTube, Jonathan Chang. It's incredible. Show notes. Show notes. Show notes. Links. Thanks. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll kind of give you a brief overview of what, what Jonathan sort of yeah, sure, laid definitely. out there. A lot of people think when you say commercial real estate, they're thinking about office. Well, office is commercial real estate, but it's only one asset class. In fact, multifamily, an apartment building, if it's got more than four units on a tax parcel, you can buy a quad with a, uh, sorry, with a residential loan. You go to five units, that's a commercial property. That's commercial real estate. So you know, everything that we talk about in terms of mobile home parks and self-storage and industrial, all that stuff is commercial real estate. So we're seeing a few megatrends. One is reshoring. Uh, Blackstone, a year, two years ago, said we've seen peak globalization. Now, that's because China is uh, against some of the stuff you might have heard in the media is sort of in decline. And this is due to some of its COVID policies and declining population, but and, and also rising wages. It's 17, the, the wages in China are 17 times higher than they were 20 years ago, 15 years ago. So wow. it's, a, it's, it's getting pretty close to parity once you factor in shipping costs um, to manufacture things in the US again. I, so oh, I wanna jump in. I, I, I wanted to jump in on this for a second because I've actually, uh, I heard this. Now again, um, do, do your own due diligence because this right. is, 
coming from me, and I'm a BS artist like no other, um, that uh, Mexico is now the, the most affordable place to uh, farm out your production uh, of, of your widgets, whatever they might be. It, it is no longer send it over to China and have it made. It is send it to Mexico and have it made. It's actually more affordable. Yeah, and there's also the issues with intellectual property violations. Uh, you know, you, you've yep. got a company that's going to make a copy of whatever you're, you're making and, and start selling it. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point yeah, is sure. that, that there is a massive reshoring. And so industrial, we see ground up industrial development, particularly in arterial cities like San Antonio. We just did an industrial ground up development in Wichita, Kansas, um, in Wichita, um, that uh, the roof just went on. It's doing fantastic. We're going to lease that up and, and, um, and sell that off. Um, additionally, energy. We, we just closed out a oil and gas deal. And this, that's our first. We've spent about close to a year in due diligence with that. We brought on two oil and gas engineers to our, to our advisory board to find a, a, a really creative energy deal for our investors. We see that as a mega trend uh, because you know, the green revolution is here and uh, I'm 100% behind it. But by all accounts, oil and gas demand is scheduled to increase over the next decade. And over the last decade, we've seen a yeah. massive underinvestment uh, because all the all of the private equity, all the big investors, uh, because of ESG initiatives, uh, have been moving that capital to the green energy side. That's where all the tax incentives are. So uh, we think there's about a five-year runway here where oil and gas investments in the United States would be uh, very, very lucrative. Uh, so well, anyway, that's that's sort of you know what we're seeing in terms of of uh, mega trends in terms of, you know, the, the commercial real estate market office, very, very difficult right now. But, um, if you're with an operator who really knows what they're doing, there are some absolute steals. Neighborhood retail is another one. That's, uh, that's one that might not be on a lot of people's radar, but some great, uh, returns there. So yeah, we're seeing opportunities everywhere. Yeah. Uh, two, two things I wanted to add in there. Um, yeah. We talk about oil. And so before we started recording, uh, Tate and I were talking about, uh, uh, there was an article just released on uh, uh, TPN Pro about the five hottest green, if you want to call them that, um, I would call them alternative energy uh, uh, aircraft provider, engine creators, engine makers. And, uh, you know, that that's awesome. And the battery, yeah. the, the car market, the EV markets, you know, is is starting to mature there's a long way to go still i think but it's starting to mature it's all great this is good this is great let's clean up the air and yada yada and all that stuff i'm i'm a fan, I'm a fan. yeah however however uh everything that we currently use is needs oil to be made like and i know that's an oversimplification of statement but we and we can't you can't flip the switch and make it turn off overnight it's going to take decades if not much longer than that and we're going to have to do a lot of stuff for the green revolution to really take off and figure out ways of actually okay how do we like i i read this article uh the other day about their i think the government is actually investing in a project of how to clean the air like you know carbon scrubbers have been around forever in smokestacks but like 
go up and actually clean yeah, the air and it was carbon capture yeah car and it was funny because uh i think the article was posted on reddit it wasn't a reddit it, it was a reddit source but it was an article posted on reddit i read the article i can't remember i cannot remember the source uh but then i read some of the comments and the comments immediately went to space balls and with the uh <laughs> the suck not blow all that stuff and i thought found that to be funny but the the reality is is oil's around it's going to be around for a long time and we we'll, we're just got to figure out other ways for the green stuff to really take off um again i don't speak eloquently like tate does with you know i'm not business smart i just i speak like the the, the dumb hayseed midwesterner i am um but the other thing that i wanted to talk to you or, or speak about that you said is uh the retail thing yeah i don't know i don't I, I know that covid just wiped out a lot of small business for a time yeah. i don't know what it's like everywhere else in the world but in milwaukee and the surrounding the surrounding suburbs of milwaukee retail is blown up like yeah, it is gonna... it's awesome and it's good to see because it makes you feel like you drive down your street and there's there's a little restaurant now and there's a carpet place and there's people are doing things again in these little uh, four lease segments that maybe aren't the prettiest, but they're trying to make it nice and they make your community better. So this is, this has been a story since 2017, 2018. We've had our, our eyes on retail because, you know, the headlines are all about how retail is dead. And, mm -hmm. and it's everything's going online, everything's Amazon, and there's all these, uh, you know, JC Penney's and Sears are going out of business, and all these big box malls are vacant, and so everybody thinks retail's dead. So we we thought, you know, as contrarians, uh, there's probably some opportunity here, and there there was, um, particularly in grocer anchored neighborhood, you know, retail centers, but. Um, and the, the capitalization rates were actually very attractive back then. We kind of got lucky that, that we didn't pursue anything because COVID was very challenging for, for places like that. Yeah. But, you know, as we're sort of swinging out of the pandemic era, we're seeing that as, as uh, a very attractive asset class right now with cap rates in the eight, 9% range sometimes. And, and really, wow. you know, you get a, again, it all comes down to the right asset in the right location, the right market. Sure. Um, yep. But neighborhood office, actually, like medical office and you know law firms that are that are more suburban, retail, mm -hmm. very interesting. It's, it's sort of turning over rocks that you normally wouldn't. Yep, I I could not agree more. And just I I mean, you know, it's uh, it's all anecdotal, I guess, because. I, it's just what I see in my neighborhood, but I also liken it, you know, talking about the green thing is like, Hey, and, and politically or whatever, you know, whatever you want to talk about, you can, you can think globally, but the true statement is uh, to really make a difference. You have to act locally. And if it, so if you, if you are wanting to pursue, in my opinion, and I'm sure Tate will back me up, if you are wanting to pursue individual investment in, in a rental property and it's your first time out, um, maybe buying cross country, which Tate, we went into in the last podcast uh, in detail is maybe not the route you want to go. Um, you know, it depends on what market you're in and, and how much gusto you've got. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're a, you know, 30 year old uh, airline guy or gal, and you're making 250 a year and you're, you got a ton of time on your hands and you, you want to, you know, go out and buy some rental property. Well, 
burn down bigger pockets podcasts and read a bunch of books and and um start creating relationships and you know spend some days off uh flying to some different markets and it's fantastic yeah. it's fun it's fun i just got sick of managing all of my assets and so That's i've, I've what, transitioned yeah, I, I i still have one multifamily property in uh, South Carolina, but, uh, but I've transitioned all passive. Yeah. And I, that's what, kind of what I was going at with the, I, I look at thinking of a guy like myself, I, my first rental property was the property I had in Tampa, Florida that I kept when I moved to Milwaukee and it wasn't that big of a headache, but anytime I got one call, I was like, Oh God. And I, I, my, my tenants managed it for me. They were, they were close friends who lived base and i had no idea what i was doing now because i had no idea what i was doing and i didn't bother to learn anything i lost money and i sold it i made a little bit but now that property is worth like three and a half x what i paid for it back in 2009 and i should have held on to it and it would have been a retirement house for us in the future it hey lesson learned i got it thank you very much do do your homework learn what you're supposed to do um but I think that a great way to start off with getting deeply into understanding real estate is uh, some passive stuff. And even if you can't invest or you don't necessarily want to go that route yet is heading over to uh, turbancap.com and reading everything you can on what they have, what they've offered, what their past performance is and understanding what that market looks like. And, uh, and, and what are the, some of the other, uh, wonderful assets and stuff that you offer Tate just through turbine and, and then what you guys are doing with passive income and, and all that. Yeah. Well, let me just touch real quick on, you know, cash flow, right? Because this is, you know, why would you want to invest in real estate except instead of stocks? Well, if they had the exact same return profiles, because you get money now rather than money later, um, you know, cash flow is a beautiful thing and, you know, investing in a stock portfolio is great. But that means that you're later on, you're hoping to have the big pile of money and then you have to liquidate the assets in order to convert them to cash and then spend it so that you can spend the money. Real estate cash flows. So instead of having to kill the golden goose, it's like, you know, you can build up these passive income streams and, you know, it starts small, yep. but as you, as you grow, that passive income builds and builds and builds until, you know, inside of a decade, decade and a half. I mean, you can invest your way out of a job. You could completely replace your W-2 by building you know, many, many passive income streams off these, off these investments. And then it, it's the golden goose that just keeps on giving, right? Because if you have, you know, $2 million on temperature, um, meaning deployed in cash flowing real estate, that that'll support you. And you don't actually have to sell that, that asset Granted, if you're yep. investing so, in uh, a lot of passive deals, they typically have a five-year hold time. You get a big pop of of cash flow plus your capital back at the end. But if you just continue investing like that, you know you you're going to have these assets that you get to pass down to multiple generations. So it's yeah. a it's just a different style of investing. It's fantastic. So and the tax benefits are incredible because you know we have depreciation write-offs in real estate, and so uh, in some cases uh, you can write that off against your W-2, which is amazing. It's what I do. It's through what's called the real estate professional status. But if you can't, that's okay. It offsets the passive income. So as you sort of throw money over the fence into the passive side, there's all these tax benefits that will offset that cash flow. So that cash flow is tax-free. Um, so just getting more tax efficient. I mean, that's that's on the mind of every airline pilot out there that, that I know of. Oh, yeah. Well, 
again, every time I talk to you, Tate, I feel dumber and have learned <laughs> immense amount of information and rammed into this brain. And I always remember about 10% of it. And I say something to Shannon. She's like, oh, you, you, you talked to Tate again, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we had a podcast. Um, the other thing I think is, oh, yeah, go, go for it, bro. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So, no, the other thing I, I, I want to do is to make sure, okay, folks out there um, who are listening to this and are like, oh, I, you know, get excited. It's cool. It's, it's fun. It's really cool to think about, like, you know, having Scrooge McDuck money pool. Um, but none of this, none of what Tate and I have discussed is get rich quickly. It is, this is not what the, it's get rich slow, which is way, 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 way better. Trust both of us on this. Don't believe me. Um, if it just take it easy, uh, I am not a financial, uh, advisor by any stretch of the imagination. Neither am I. We don't give tax, legal or investment advice at Turbine Capital. Yep. And I don't give any advice to anybody about anything. Uh, however, the only, I will advise people, uh, again, to, uh, listen to what this man says and then start doing your own research. And, uh, if they want to start doing some research, Tate, on not only Turbine Capital, but on, uh, all things that you're kind of touching with, uh, your, uh, your immense oversight and reach, um, teaching people just how to take a break from flying the line or whatever it is that they're out working, doing in aviation to start to work towards to build themselves up so they don't have to, uh, retire at 65 and then find another job just to keep the, uh, the money stream going. Where, where can we start learning all about that? Absolutely. So if you're looking to go more the active side, I'd recommend bigger pockets. They're, they're a fantastic resource. They have a podcast. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of their, their most recent stuff, but if you go back and listen to the stuff that they were doing, um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, it's excellent. And they've got, you know, they've got a website and a forum and it's a great community. If you're looking to explore more on the passive side, check out our podcast, Passive Income Pilots. Um, it's on every platform imaginable. You can find it on our website as well, turbinecap.com. And if you're looking to kind of check us out, uh, definitely go to our website. We've got a portfolio tab that shows you all of the nearly 17 projects that, we've, uh, that we have under management right now. And if you'd like to look at the deal rooms for all those past ones and see what we have currently available, you can go to the top and hit uh, where it says login and just register an account and um, join our investor club. If you join our investor club, it's just a little CTA uh, call to action link on our website. It says invest with us. Uh, you can hop onto our investor club. You just get our monthly newsletter when we have deals, which we usually have about a half dozen a year. Uh, you'll get uh, notified via email and it's deal by deal. So we have investors who are on our list who have never invested in anything. We've got other investors that have invested in every project that we've ever done. So it's completely your prerogative, whether you'd like to jump into an opportunity when you see one or not. Everybody, that's Tateria telling us all the th stuff we want to hear about how to make money without doing anything. Man, I love that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, and Tate, if they want to get, uh, if they want to reach out to you directly anywhere that they can go, any socials or anything like that, or uh, do you have some sort of giant wall because you live in Honolulu and you don't need people stopping by? No, no, I'm terrible with social media, but we do have our new <laughs> Facebook group. Um, not nearly the size of TPN, but if you want to jump in there, it's Passive Income Pilots. Yeah, it's just okay. a community open forum where, where you can hop in and ask questions. You can also reach out to me directly, Tate, T-A-I-T, 
at turbinecap.com. That's awesome. Well, uh, I, as always, I love chatting with you, dude. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me here for uh, just a short. Actually, it didn't. It it went it went way longer than we expected. Uh, so. so, whatever. Typical. Uh, it's me. I can't shut up. Uh, and, and if you don't, if you if you want me to shut up, uh, write us at hey guys at pilotnetwork.com and, uh, and tell me to do that, and I'll be happy to do so. Um, Tate, thanks again for joining us, man. Uh, we will see you hopefully sooner than later if I'm lucky enough to uh, pull a Honolulu layover. Uh, if not, always next uh, April at TPNX. I hope, I hope so, and uh, hope yeah. to be on the show next quarter. Yeah, like every every quarter, every quarter looks like we've uh, the. the so let it be written. So let it be done. And uh, as always, everybody out there in TPM land, keep that shiny side up.